Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Folks, we've done it. And by it, I mean nothing. Nothing has changed. We are still in the middle of an enormous global crisis that's becoming less global, I feel, with each passing day and more a uniquely American problem. Yeah. Um, Alex and Nathan, how do you, how are you guys holding up in this? Uh, I mean, it's basically, I, my day-to-day experience hasn't really changed since like early March. I've basically been doing the same thing since for the last four months or so. Um, so that sucks. But um, as far as, you know, how it's been different over that time span, it really hasn't for me. I I only go out to go to the grocery store and stuff like that, or anytime I'm in a public space, I wear a mask, that kind of thing. Um, so just still working from home. Uh, and other than that, just hoping things get better and unfortunately seeing that they keep getting worse. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same for me. I am home all the time, and um, I think I've gone out like three times to like actually do stuff other than just you know i don't know like last week i guess i i got a new car so that was big big development but um i don't have anywhere to drive it so i literally i literally yesterday drove to stillwater and back to get gas just so i could drive my car somewhere um (laughs) and so that was like over an hour round trip just to get gas I've actually been doing like drive just to drive just to get outside. I've done, been doing that some, not a ton, just because yeah. like gas and everything. But yeah, more than I ever would have been in like normal situations. Well, and it's so fucking hot that it's like I I was walking a lot, like going for daily walks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But now it's like yeah. in the hundreds, so I'm just not doing that anymore. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So it's getting great. Like I mean. It has been nice having some Premier League soccer for the most part, except for when my team sucks. Um, it's at least something to look forward to in that regard. But um, I don't think we're going to have a lot of uh, college football to look forward to um, this coming fall. How about that segue? That Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, the artistry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've also been walking. I've been walking at night which is not a thing everyone can do, obviously, but yeah. works for me. Um, the college football season is, we're, st- we're full steam ahead in terms of pretending it's happening, though that is starting to right. fray at the seams. You have the Big Ten and the Pac-12 both announcing that they are really only wanting to be playing conference games mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. Well, did you see the, uh, the SEC guy come out today? No, I didn't see this. What did he say? Well, I mean, he just talked about how he is high. To, he has very, he has high to very high concern about having a college football season this year. Um, this and I think thinking. he, yeah, this is Sankey. I think he even kind of came out and said that, you know, people aren't doing what they need to do for us to be able to have a season. You know, so like, yeah. which for right. the SEC commissioner is a pretty bold statement in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it's pretty significant. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he's right. Um, the reality of the situation is that it's getting worse um, in a lot of the places that 
this needs to happen in order for college football to happen. Uh, and that's a real bummer because I really wanted college football to happen. Yeah. Um, I will say, I do think we have not, I like, I don't think we have passed the threshold of like, if everybody just started doing everything right everywhere all the time, like, things would be better enough that yep. you could do some sort of season and it would be like starting relatively so, on time. And we haven't I hit like the think, threshold of yeah. literally impossible yet. I still kind of think a season happens. and But I don't want to say that because I'm so optimistic. I actually am so pessimistic that I think people will do things contrary to what the public good is, just almost in spite of, or even, you know, with full knowledge of just plowing ahead, even so, um, just for money reasons. Uh, I I think they're just going to have, because if if they go a full college football season without the gigantic TV money that that generates, I just, athletic programs around the country are just going to be in dire straits and, I just have a hard time seeing how they're going to forego it. And so it, it almost becomes a discussion of what is the this, like what is the balance that they can strike where they're not, you know, seeding potential, uh, you know, s- state money coming in or they're not risking that sort of thing where they they literally have to just evacuate and they can't do it. Like what is the actual breaking point? Um because I think, you know, if there's any possible light at the end of that tunnel, I still think they're going to do the abbreviated schedules in a bowl game or something. Um, they're not going to do the full season. Most likely they'll, they'll do conference games, but they're going to try and, you know, wring some kind of water out of that um, just to be able to p- potentially bring in that revenue or else I, it's just going to be an just a bloodbath, especially among the lower division schools of uh, well, okay. cutting yeah. programs. So can I let's talk about what that could possibly look like in terms of if they're just going to push through and do this because, like you said, it is imperative from a money standpoint for schools and athletic programs to have some kind of football. Mm-hmm. And so I think. You know, one thing we've seen, I know OU is appealing to be able to move their game with Missouri State a week earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's all about having, you know, just more runways. Yeah, yeah, having, you know, maybe if they could have like four bye weeks or something during a season. So if like, well, we've got 15 guys that are sick now, then they can spend the two weeks quarantining and then maybe get right. better during those well, two and- weeks. Alex, I'm going to interrupt you just really quickly, but sure. in that article that they talked about that, I thought they made a really good point. Maybe it's been something that's been talked about and it just hasn't sunk in for me, but they talked about if, say, one offensive lineman was a positive, that they might have to hold out the whole offensive line just to um, be right. safe and to monitor them, even if they're not testing positives. And that would, in and of itself, wipe out an entire position group and make a game impossible so i think those buffer weeks may almost be critical um but i'm sorry go ahead and continue yeah and i i just 
it seems because like are you because I find it very unlikely that it would just be like all right we have these four scheduled bye weeks and then it's always going to line up that your position group is is hurt but oh we've got a bye week coming up like it's gonna screw it's gonna screw you over like you're gonna lose your entire quarterback room the week before Texas that's what'll happen you know so are are they are they say like they would have to have some kind of deal where it's like well we can't play Texas or we can't play whoever this week so we're gonna have to move this game and that's just that's honest that's something that we've never seen before we've never seen a fluid schedule um but for this to really kind of yeah for this to go through you would have to have a fluid schedule and so that would mean like you need more you'd probably need 16 weeks at least and then like an eight game schedule to where basically maybe if you're playing every other week that might be something you could work um but i just it's it's really hard to to really envision this going down not to mention like we need to encourage people to not go places and obviously (laughs) you know there's going to be schools that want to sell tickets to games right if there are games happening they're going to want to sell tickets will be selling tickets right yeah and oklahoma state like i think that that in itself is a good enough reason to not play like because even if we say well we're going to have college football but no fans I still think there's going to be the people that come to the games and hang be, out. Like they'll be tailgating. Yeah. Like yes. it's just not a good situation um, for. And, and they could even say that you can't tailgate around the stadium and traditional tailgate areas. Tailgaters people are crazy enough that they will go find a field somewhere and they will do it there. Right. They there will be tailgates. Not to yeah. mention, like the most you know people have at home watch parties every week. And if there's right. football games to have on, they're going to have at home watch parties. At home watch parties are a horrible idea in this situation. If you get 20 of your closest friends and five of them aren't adhering to strict, you know, social distancing mask wearing during the week, then that entire group of people can be compromised. Right. And the situation that we are going into as a country is we're already seeing medical the medical field being overwhelmed by this. And so just the idea of even having a bunch of watch parties does not seem it doesn't seem feasible to me. It doesn't seem responsible. And I know that it you know the money is is ultimately the most important thing. It's really what we as a country have prioritized over everything else. But I just in good conscience, like I don't, I don't want there to be a football season at this point. To be completely honest. Well, and the other aspect of this is when we talk about a guy like, we talk about guys getting the disease and like having to sit out. It's like, also those guys' lives are in danger. Like, <laughs> and not even just their lives, yeah. but like, you know, we. It's still too early to really understand what the full ramifications of a COVID infection are. Right. Um, well, if, I mean, they, uh, they've they found lung damage in people that were asymptomatic. Right. That's know? the thing right. is that like a guy could get this and even if he survives, his career could be over because like he doesn't have the lung capacity to pl- to perform strenuous athletics anymore. Yeah. Like right. this is, 
yeah, there's the, like, it is, I think there's a tendency to talk about getting it as um, something that just happens and ignore, like, when you get it, you could die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's no, I mean, the only smart answer is just to not do it. Um, but I just, there's, maybe I'm so jaded by what I see from power figures so often, but I just think those, those power figures are going to do all they possibly can to do it anyway. Um, and so I, I don't really know what to expect. I, for the last, you know, few weeks, months, I, I've been thinking that, you know, an abbreviated season is likely, and that seems the most likely thing now, but now we're like Alex mentioned earlier. Now you're starting to see guys like, especially, and I hadn't even read the Sankey quotes, but if someone like Greg Sankey is saying, you know, these things are looking dire, and maybe someone says something along the lines of, you know, we're just delaying the inevitable. I think I read that earlier somewhere on Twitter. Um, you know, that sort of stuff starts to open up those discussions, and we've already seen other leagues like the uh, like the Ivy pushing things to the spring. And I think that's feasible. Um, but what does the spring buy you if not just a few more months of time, if no more uh, stringent actions are taken? Um, right, right. We need to, we can't just, you know, cross your fingers and hope that a, that a cure or um, something has been done by then, because just because, just if, even if something was created, it doesn't mean it's been disseminated. It doesn't mean it's taken root. Um, that doesn't mean it's been properly vetted. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of variables. Vaccines don't just pop up in six months' time, usually. I think I remember reading at the onset of this, it was closer to a year, year and a half. Um, so right. I, the the idea of a spring season is, just sounds better to me, um, and that has a lot of far-reaching impacts that we could talk about and get into deeper some other time. But um if if we push forward with a fall season, I think it's going to look very weird, <laughs> and um, I don't think it's the wise thing. But I still think it's a quite possible thing, just given the uh, the people that make those calls, um, kind of what we've seen from them in the past. Right, yeah. and I um, you know, you look at the plans that we pushed forward into coming into this season and it's like these are plans that people made like at the end of March and the assumption at the end of March was that we would do things the right way and this so we would be ready come the fall and that just didn't happen and so when we talk about moving it to the spring I'm concerned that that will just happen again is we will make plans based on the understanding that tomorrow we will magically start doing things the right way. And, like, I mean, there there has been some genuinely good news about living with this, you know, living in this age of this disease to come from research recently. Like, mask wearing has been demonstrated through several studies now to be a very effective way to prevent the spread of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now people are looking at the near ubiquity of uh, mask wearing in public in places like Hong Kong mm-hmm. as Japan, yeah. Yeah, evidentiary of 
why those countries were not particularly hard hit by this disease. Yeah, um, and that is a cultural thing. That's something that uh, preceded this disease. Right, so, exactly. It was understood it was, okay. in those places that like wearing a mask was sort of a civic duty thing. Um, it was an understanding that like you want to be able to protect the people around you, and so you will wear this mask whenever whenever you would put them yeah. at risk. I think it makes and, a ton of sense just if you have a cold or something to wear a mask anytime yeah. you're going out. Yeah, and I don't think it's impossible for that sort of virtue to manifest itself in the United States of America, but it certainly hasn't yet. It certainly needs to very quickly if we're going to, you know, not run into another situation where we're having to triage ICU beds, which is already happening in places like Arizona and Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I heard at one point I saw a, uh, an article that said that if we had 60% mask compliance in the United States, the number of, like, per, like the, what number is that? Like the the number of people that would get infected, it would stay under control, essentially. Um, yeah, and we wouldn't we would, have to, you, like... Would, the R would be under one. Right, that's, this, that's this what I was trying. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the number of people that an average person with COVID would get sick is under one, and that is workable. You can work with that number. Um, I don't know exactly what the number is right now, but I know it's substantially higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um which make yeah making this an unworkable situation but um yeah i to me the the spring the spring season is is all about buying time like because the worst case scenario is no football season at all and not just you know from you know you said from a money standpoint that is it you can't have that happen you know like that is the last you know that the last thing that can happen and I think we're on a path right now because for the longest time it was just, oh yeah, everything's going to be happening just the way they always happen. You know, we're, we're going to cut down fan. We're only going to have 50,000 people instead of a hundred thousand people in stance, which was always ridiculously stupid, but that was the plan. And now we're like, we've moved all the way to the point where we've got multiple conferences saying that, oh, we're for now, we're only going to do, um, conference games and i assume that will be with no fans and then like we have the sec commissioners saying you know ohio state's athletic director who at one point was like the voice of the optimism that there will be football he was saying yeah that's gone i'm gravely concerned about there being a college football season at this point and to me it's just a a progression you know like i say Mm -hmm. give it two weeks and we're going to be in a different place. Like just thinking about how much stuff developed this week. We just had the 4th of July, right? And we know how people were on the 4th of July and give that a couple weeks to develop. Things are going to go up even more and that's going to be a huge problem. And not to mention school starts before football season starts. Yeah. And I think it's pretty, it's fairly obvious to say that like, once school starts, this thing's going to spread even more. Like that's it makes yeah. sense. Like I know that there's there's studies that like in younger kids, but like in high schools, like are you kidding me? There's going to be big spreads in high schools. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen on college campuses as well. And so that's even more time and more cases for them to be have to deal with and like I think that by 
middle August at least, at the latest, like August 15th, I think we're going to be looking at them, everybody, yeah. unanimously talking about a spring season. I think and that's I, I, that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. I think that's for. pretty likely. Um, um, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. But again, Ryan made the good point, you know, we can have a spring season, but nothing changes if we just keep pushing off proper action to tomorrow. Um, sure. And hell, maybe, I mean, this, I, I've tweeted stuff like this, but if not having college football is what gets people that are not taking this seriously to wake up, yeah. then maybe that's a good thing. And maybe we can actually see that as a step because honestly, the NBA canceling was what really started this. You yeah, know? That's like true. it was a sporting thing that really started this entire thing and made people realize how it made it made me realize how serious it was. Oh, yeah, and then, sure. you know, like maybe if, you know, Alabama fans aren't getting to watch football this fall, maybe they'll be like, oh, maybe there's we've got to see it in the spring and they'll do something, you know, right. and. I, I don't have high hopes. I don't have really any faith in the majority of people in America right now, um, just in general. But um, And maybe we will, by some goddamn miracle, have a, a vaccine and it will be out. I don't know. Like Maybe that will happen by the time the, the spring season will come along. If they're starting in like Febu- like late February, March. I mean, it's not impossible. It's not incredibly likely to me, but like, to me, that's the time that you have to buy. And if we're still in this situation, then that in February, that's when the season gets scrapped altogether. Yeah, yeah, that, which is just crazy to think about. One of the interesting things um, is that has been kind of getting popped around, and this is kind of a recruiting angle. Is they've been discussing, you know, the dead period for recruiting keeps getting pushed back and back and back. And for those who are unaware, the dead period in recruiting is whenever like recruits being able to go on campus to visit when that's allowed, when recruits or whenever coaches are able to um, reach out. And, you know, it basically it's whenever recruiting's, you know, able to really kind of pick up some steam and whenever kids are able to come visit schools, that just keeps getting pushed back. So kids haven't been able to visit in months. Um, and right now it's, you know, I think it's at the end of July. Um, if the it's if there was no fall season, most likely recruits wouldn't be visiting in the fall. And then you're Are you talking about the dead period? The dead period? Like, the dead period's through the end of August now, I think. Uh, okay, it might have even been pushed again. But, yeah. what's, but the point is, it keeps getting pushed. And right now, kids haven't been able to visit. And so they keep a lot of them are saying, I want to visit in the fall, just have to visit in the fall for games. But if there are no games and then you start seeing signing period in December, that probably gets nixed. But if a if a if a season doesn't get underway until February and the signing day is early February, you could have a you could conceivably have an entire recruiting class that never got to go on official visits, um, which is just nuts to think about. Right. And that's like like. That's a massive disservice to that recruiting class. Like, yeah. So what is that? What's the far-reaching impact of that? Do you see a rash of transfers? Do they have a spring signing date? Um, what What does that look like? Um, and if we have a, I mean, there's just the, the college sports and specifically college football model just was not built to kind of withstand this. So 
there there is no right <laughs> there's no rule book to say you know okay if this happens go to here because I don't think anyone had this contingency um, but it's just from a recruiting aspect it's really interesting to think about kids that could potentially be signing with a school that they've never been to and that's not just one at a time that's in mass um, yeah so anyway I just thought that I've noticed that being brought up in more and more articles that it strikes me as interesting because for a lot of kids like um, Caleb Williams who just recently committed to OU or Mario Williams, who's been committed to OU, or there, there's a plethora around the country that, you know, are signing with potentially signing with schools a thousand miles away. If they've never visited that school, what does that do? Does it plant a seed of doubt? Does it say, oh, maybe I should stick home a little closer? So, um, I guess, you know, I think that if if we're not playing games at all, right? I think the biggest concern that people have about recruits visiting is someone from the outside coming in and getting the team sick. I think that's the main, like that's definitely what Lincoln has been mm-hmm. pushing. And I think that coaches would be able, they would be willing to risk it if they're, they don't have <laughs> a game. Yeah. yeah. They would be willing, like Lincoln would be willing, I think to risk having a Mecca Igbuka. Like now, obviously Every everything I've seen from Lincoln is that every safety protocol will be followed. And from what we have seen, the spread within the OU football team has been fairly limited from what they've had. Like they're they had zero new cases past testing. Yeah, they're all wearing masks. They're all kind of platooning. And if we're going through a fall with no football, there's probably not going to be a lot of full team practicing happening. There's probably it's probably going to be a lot of the same this like. We'll have meetings and stuff like that. And I think you could get away with having high school players in, you know, through immense caution. But if they get some, if they get their host sick or something, then, well, it's not like we have a game coming up, you know, like. So what's interesting about that is if the NCAA were to, I, well, the game part, I don't know how much of it, if that's it's strictly up to the conferences, but I think the NCAA does most of the recruiting calendar. So if the conference, if it's a conference call, if the conferences call on not playing games, does the NCAA step in and say there's no recruiting, or do they leave that up to conferences as well? You know, yeah. I'm I'm just wondering if there's no games, does the NCAA say okay, then there's no recruiting visits, or do they just say oh we're we're leaving it regardless? Um, and use these weekends if you want to kind of thing. Yeah, I think that I it's it's really hard to say, but, you know, if you want to keep some semblance of normalcy, I think that having, having kids in in a fall that, you know, football season isn't happening. Yeah. You know, that could... That could be like spring visits, res- kind of. Yeah, like spring visits. Now, the thing to consider as well with this is... You know, I think each campus, you know, like if there's massive outbreaks on campus, schools are going to close. It's going to happen, you know, and then that in that case, like, you know, in Texas, Oklahoma and the south, they're going to be in probably a worse position than in other places um, in terms of you know being able to get kids in if that's what they wind up doing. Um, so I, I would hope that. 
I think the best thing would be to keep recruits off campus, to be completely honest, and then just like push everything back, you know, like have the signing day. Like if kids want to sign in December, fine, but have the signing day in February and then have a later one even, you know, like if you're playing games. Yeah, if you're playing games in February, March, April, then have a signing day in May. Like it, it's not ideal, but like it's it might just be necessary. Yeah, it, it's unprecedented. There's no there's no perfect answer because everything has flaws. So. I mean, so much of it's predicated upon can we get things under control, and so much of that's predicated upon will people start taking this seriously. Yeah. And I mean, guys, I was, I went out, full disclosure, with a mask to pick up lunch, you know, carry out. Um, so I was in a restaurant for about 10 seconds, just enough time to pay. Um, but even there, there are people, you know, the restaurant was probably half full with people not wearing masks, sitting at bars. All the servers yeah. were wearing masks. All yeah. the, everyone that worked there was. But there's still there's so many people just driving through the streets. You know, I, I drove past a park. There are tons of people out at this park just acting like you. you if you reverted time one year, it wouldn't have looked that much different. Um, it just kind of blows my mind. So it's as if nothing, they're treating it as if nothing is happening, and it's nothing as if there's nothing to um, guard against. So yeah, this and that is where I think Alex's point, where like. It might be a really good thing for this country if college football gets canceled because yeah. that might wake people up. Or at least a at least a segment of the population. I think, you know, the NBA probably brought it home for a few, but there's a lot that don't watch the NBA. But if college yeah. football, that's just another portion. Um, and speaking of the NBA, like, because we're going to be talking about the bubble later, like, I, and I just want to, like, ram home, like, the difference between what the NBA is going to be able to do um, – versus like a college football season taking place is um, that the scale of the endeavor of a college football bubble is simply not possible. Um, The NBA has put together this massive, elaborate, insane plan that I think, I don't know how large the bubble is, but it is not more than 1,000 people. Right. I think it's you have 22 teams of 17 players each, which is about 370. Um, If each team has. I think every team is is allowed 35 players or not players, but 35 people, 35 people. Okay, so, yeah, that's about a support person for every player. So that gets you up to about 700. And then with media, that's probably another, what, 50 yeah, I think it's 10. I think there's 10 media people there at a time. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, right, because they're it, rotating those. It's they're, up. they're not sending everybody at the same time in terms of media. So, yeah, it's, so there's like 710 people. That is like three college football sidelines. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's impossible. In the NBA, like, you know, it's a controlled environment where the people that are coming in and out, they know exactly when and where they are. They're all... Right. The people cleaning uh, rooms are in PPE. Like, yeah, they're they're gonna have very little, any if any, FaceTime with any kind of NBA player, or anybody else in the bubble, <laughs> and so it that just is impossible in a college football setting because a, this is happening on hundreds of campuses, and 
with the NBA, they're testing everybody in the bubble every day. Yeah. Like college football teams, like the best teams in the country, the richest teams in the country are testing right now once a week. Right. Because, like, you just think about how many football players are in the Big 12, right? Ten teams, what, it's 85 scholarship players? Yeah, and then, like, another 20 that aren't. Right. So that's already you're talking about more players than there are people in the bubble total for the NBA. Testing them every day, you know, that's more than 7,000 tests a week just on the players. Yeah, football, it's... (laughs) <laughs> it's no, there's no conceivable way that they, it can happen for football as a bubble. Um, yeah. There's just no possible way. It to and be it's like, just and without daily testing, then that that's how you get the widespread breakouts in your team. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that's why I think the NBA thing is going to work because like someone could get it, but they're going to catch it really early. You mm-hmm. know, they're going to catch it the next day, hopefully. And then they're going to be able to isolate that person. They're going to be able to see who they've all, who they've been in contact with. And then they're going to be able to test those guys again. And then that's, that's how you stop breakouts, you know, like that's how you do it. And that's just impossible on a college campus, you know, and, and right now OU is doing a fantastic job of not having it spread throughout the team, but there's not kids on campus right now. You know, there's no, there's no parties happening. You know, like, are they going to be like, are they going to really be able to enforce on every single player on the team that you can't go hang out with other people? It's not yeah. going to happen. And the, like the other aspect of that is that every, is that all of the players in the NBA bubble are millionaire adults. Yeah, they're millionaires. They were given the they all had a decision. They were allowed to not go if they didn't want to. Um and they're getting paid millions of dollars. If you know, at the very least, they're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yeah. college players are making like a little stipend every month. And I think it's like six hundred or something. Yeah, <laughs> six hundred bucks. Probably like month. even enough for rent. Like yeah. I, th- this is not this is not the same thing. And I understand that. Hopefully, in a best case scenario. These kids can get sick and be just fine, even long term. We don't know that, obviously, but mm-hmm. you know, in a best case scenario, that would be ideal. But the fact that we just don't, and if we knew that was the case, then like, you know, maybe you could figure out a way to like sell it and be like, hey, if you don't want to play, you don't have to, but we're gonna play because we know that you're gonna be fine. But there's no way that you can actually sell that with any facts behind it. Well, and guys, we've spent this whole time talking about college. Think about high school. Yeah. How yeah. the pressure like, that's going to be on This these, is a huge thing guys. that we haven't talked about at all was um, – I, I, I don't know who said it, but it's essentially, like, we're looking at a no Texas high school football. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, my, my younger brother, who I live with, plays football, plays high school football. And I'm, like, telling my mom, I'm like, you can't let him play. If they if they're gonna have a season, you can't let him play. And my mom is a school teacher; she's gonna have to go back to school. Like, wow. I'm already like planning on like strict like avoidance of the people that I live with, you know. And like, it it can't happen. High school football because they can't test. Like, they right. maybe can do like a test at the beginning of the season or something, but they can't 
yeah, you're gonna regularly. you're gonna tell me like what Tomka's gonna be doing like a bunch of tests. No, with the, with the money running through this state, there's no way. There's no freaking way. Right. Yeah. I mean, every day I talk with my law school friends about like the audacious plan that our school is putting forward to allow us to be able to attend classes in person. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't play sports in these conditions. No, you, you, you simply can't. cannot. I mean, you can't. I mean, honestly, realistically, you can't go to school in these conditions. They're going to yeah. try. It's going to fail. And I think one of the big things that we're talking about, the spread hasn't been insane in Oklahoma like it has in other places. And I think largely due to the fact that, you know, the population's not incredibly high. But if you look at the small towns, all of the biggest events that happen in small towns are school events. Mm-hmm. And once yeah. school starts, this is going to hit the rural rural areas in Oklahoma and we're just going to be screwed, you know? And then like even small towns in Oklahoma, their health system is overwhelmed. Like that's going to trickle up to the yeah. fact that like, well, oh, a lot yeah, of we, small we towns in football. Oklahoma's health system is overwhelmed just Generally. Yeah. in its natural state. Right. Yeah. It's constantly right. there. It's just whelmed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I mean, Everything we've talked about, it's just like, how could you listen to any of this and think, yeah, we can play. We can play football at any level, you know, yeah. other maybe pros like, but only because they can super, super control the environment and right. the justification of fast. paying players yeah. millions yeah. of dollars that they get to make that decision. Cowboys are a billion dollar organization. They can handle right. it a little better than SMU can. Right. And it's going to be fascinating to see what the NFL is going to be able to pull off because... I mean, the NBA bubble is going to be like, this is a pretty grand experiment. And, you know, fingers crossed that it works. I know we're all excited to see basketball. Yeah, back. I'm actually going to watch NBA stuff. Yeah. Not me interested. Oh, this is so exciting. Nathan's going to be <laughs> able to contribute to the basketball pods. Um, well, I won't know what I'm talking about, but I'll be excited. But the, um, <laughs> but this is, you know, 22 teams of 17 players each. Yeah. You know, well, are we going to have a season with 32 NFL, a full season with 32 NFL teams of 53 players each? Yeah. Is that going to be possible? You'll you'll end it with like 30. <laughs> It'll be blood <laughs> sport. Yeah. Well, and like, I, I don't know how the NFL can work. The only way the I feel like it would be, you know, I've said this to various people that like, the only way that the NFL could actually really work if they want to do things, you know, the way I think they're planning on doing them is if they just decide that they're okay with people that have COVID playing if they're not showing symptoms. Yeah. And if that's something that everyone in the NFL, the adults in the NFL agree to do, then okay. But you can't do that with younger kids, obviously. Right. You know, like, right. and that's what I've said about high school football. It's like the only way that you can really do this is if you decide, yeah, I mean, these kids are not going to get that sick and we're just going to let them play. You know, like, well, that's the only way. You're literally talking with kids about kids there, too. None of those high school kids are not 18. So no. at that point, it's like, 
who accepts do they have i'm sure there would have to be some type of waiver process yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. It comes down to the parents yeah. their parents have to accept responsibility or a guardian right. and it's like good lord if you have a 14 year because a 14 year old doesn't have the nuance like they don't understand you know they see probably stuff that's out there but you're, i wouldn't expect a 14 year old to be able to make that decision with like full no. you know understanding yeah, of the implications so yeah. it's just uh well but you know everything i keep seeing from high school sports twitter is even if the school districts nix it those kid kids are going to find a way they're going to do something um so it's yeah. like how do you how do you patch the leaks without another one springing yeah that that's tough and i, I i've seen that too that like hey kids are going to play if there's a season or not and i'm like well then at least at that point it wouldn't be on the school yeah, you know that's right. a good point it's, and that's a yeah. good point then, like that's, I feel yeah, like that's, that's not an argument. Yeah, when people say that, that's not an argument for anything. You know, that's like. So what? Like, should we give kids cocaine at school because they're <laughs> gonna do it regardless, or guns yeah. at school because they're gonna shoot guns regard? Like, yeah, kids will engage in stupid and dangerous behavior. It's because they're children. Yeah. But. Like but it doesn't, it can't get, be that doesn't absolve you of the responsibility <laughs> yeah. to like it can't be community sponsored. Yeah. Right. 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 Those who know better should not allow it to continue. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I've seen that, you know, repeated multiple times. They're going to find a school or a state, you know, they'll transfer to IMG Academy, you know, whatever they'll find something. Um, but in that case, like you said, it's at least it's not on, you know, more school district or it's not yeah. on you know some some school in dallas or you know what what have you yeah i mean if they want to make that decision if their parents want to make that decision then okay like yeah. i think it's and, wrong yeah My gundy's son isn't still playing is he <laughs> <laughs> he's he's at osu now right i think, I think so, so. Yeah. yeah yeah um and but and the other thing is that you know if IMG or a place like that really feels like they can provide a safe at- atmosphere for their athletes, they probably can't. But if they really feel like they can and they can convince parents of that, then sure. I know that Middell schools can't do that, and they shouldn't right. pretend they can. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's it's impossible, man. And like you know, we're talking about the NBA as like the one that can work, and it's like how the fuck is the NBA going to play next year? You know, right. like we haven't even really, I've, I've heard people yeah, talk about like, not what are they going to do? Have talked about. Yeah. Like, how do you mean? what are like, they going to Like, how can they, cause they're not going to be able to do a bubble for an entire season. Ah, you know, okay. they're going to have to travel to different arenas and their plan is just going to be like, probably just no fans for the entirety of next year. But well, like, it's, how do well, you, it's the exact same situation as, um, like every other plan is that the bubble is a stopgap, and right. the hope is that during the bubble people in this country will get their shit together and we can right. like go and wear masks yeah, and we can get back to at least like come up a with the vaccine yeah. like <laughs> to whatever was labeled on uh governor stitt's chart the new normal yeah you know? <laughs> yep. man i i'm so jealous of these European countries that are able to like German, like the Bundesliga was able to get through their season with no problems and they weren't in one place. There wasn't a bubble, 
you know, they were traveling to every away stadium. They had no fans, obviously, and they were really careful. But, like, just the spread is so low in that country in general now that they can kind of do stuff the normal right. way. Like, and this is what I'm saying is, like, we're moving past the point where you can reasonably call this a pandemic. Like, right. this is becoming a uniquely American problem. And it's because we, like, we as a society cannot pass the relatively simple test that this presents us, which is just care about other people a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, American it's not, exceptionalism. Yeah, of course. Like, we're not asking people to donate thousands of dollars to people. We're asking people to put a piece of cloth on their face. Right. You know, and it's not happening. And, and not even for like long stretches of time. No. Usually, It's like 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Just when you go in a grocery store, put on a mask. Yeah. When you go like don't eat out at a restaurant, you know, or at least right. if you do eat outside, you yeah, know, and wear a mask, wear a mask when you're not eating. No, I haven't done it. I still have yet to do. I haven't even done a patio yet. I have yet. Oh, I haven't been no. in a restaurant. I haven't done a yeah. patio. No, I haven't. I, I mean, I th- I'm still avoiding going into restaurants. I have been going through drive throughs or going to yeah, places yeah. with curbside delivery. Like, Same. yeah, the carry out place I went to, I only went into it because it, the desk is literally like three steps from the door. I didn't even right. have to go into the restaurant, really. I have done so. a, I have done two exactly two risky things in this entire thing. And they were both weddings. Uh, mm-hmm. I, haven't even, uh, I haven't done anything like that. Yeah, well, and the only reason why I was at, like, one, it was my dad getting married. Sure. So okay. I had to be there. Um, it was a small event. Um, so it was relatively safe. And the other one, I was the best man, so I had to be there. Like, if I had just been invited as just mm-hmm. the guest, there's no way I would have gone to either one. Yeah. But it was both kind of unavoidable situations. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a good time at both. I'm glad I went. And I'm sure. glad that I didn't get sick at both of them. But yeah. that's the only risks that I've taken at all um, throughout this entire thing. And that's just not, the, the I guess, the normal way that, you know, people are, are living life right now. Yeah, like, for me, like, the risk, the I don't, I don't know what the riskiest thing I would have, I guess, it would be going, like, getting carry out is like the riskiest thing I've done. But like, again, it just goes, this goes kind of full circle to, you know, I just earlier today, I, if I, you had told me this was July, 2019, it, that's what it looks like. I didn't see really any difference. So until that changes, um, the yeah. delay, delay, delay method, I think is still just a delaying of the inevitable, um, unless, right. you know, something miraculous happens. And then yeah. if, it, if something miraculous happens, you better hope it's not in an American pharma think tank, um, because then, right. it just, then it'll it might be not just be uh, unaffordable yeah. for everybody. Yeah, Oops. it's going to be super expensive. You better hope it's you know it comes at us in a different direction. Yeah, this country is really great. I love it here. Um, <laughs> I last thing I, I guess the last kind of step for this is the reality of. You know, like you said, we delay, 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 and then there happen. There just isn't a season. Um, and I, I talked, I messaged Nathan about this the other day. But the NCAA is going to have to expand the number of scholarships that teams can carry if there's no football season this year. Otherwise, you're screwing over every team in the country, and more importantly, you're yeah. screwing over an entire high school class of players 
because teams won't have enough scholarships to support them because yeah. a lot of the players, a lot of seniors, they'll be coming back for their last year. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that makes the most sense to me is just get every single active player currently on a roster an extra year. Straight yeah. up. I agree. Yeah. And then, but like, I agree. I, but same with Alec. Like, you have to add scholarship. No, I you think have. I think you would have to add and be like, all right, you can carry. Well, yeah, 110 so, or something, 105. You know, I would say I don't know how the math works, but I'm sure there's a formula you could come up with that say you were at an 85 scholarship limit cap for this year. Now, as you go into next year, whoever would have graduated, however your numbers would have. Yeah, you could have figured out, you know. And this still wouldn't be totally fair because it wouldn't account for like people uh, leaving their scholarships to go to the draft, yeah, for instance. Right. But like, I think you could you could say like yeah you had such and such players who were set to graduate during this season, yeah. um, and so you can. But if we had to do the one like a, if you had to do like a hard number, I think one ten makes a lot of sense because it's the twenty five per year plus right. the eighty five. Yeah. Um, to say 110 for next year or something like that. But I think, you know, all of these players that are basically losing a year should have the ability to get that year back. So I think, you know, all of a sudden you have six six for five people or something weird. Right. Um, I don't know if they would do that, but it's, I think, the, you know, the, the, the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm not going to hold my breath on the NCAA doing the right thing, but <laughs> no, it, never. to me, in this situation, it's it's almost the only thing you can do because you cannot just tell OU all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you've got you know Caleb Kelly coming back, Kennedy Brooks, all these guys that you just were not planning on having. Like, OU would already be over their scholarship limit, and they have like 11 commits right now. Yeah. You know, like you just can't do that. Well, I, I think you have to do both of them. You can't do – the everybody gets their scholar or everybody gets another year, but we're not bumping the scholarship limit. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. You, you're going to have to, you have both. to do them. Both. You're just going to have to, there's going to have to be at least one year with an increased number of scholarships for everybody. Yep. Yeah. No, that's which really, man, this system is bizarre. Yeah. Just what a hack together piece of crap that <laughs> exists solely to benefit the NCAA and these institutions in the NFL and absolutely right. not these players in well, any reasonable sense. Something that I've been thinking about is the NFL presumably from a monetary standpoint is going to do okay. And this absolutely will not happen. This won't happen. This is like the most like socialist idea I think I've ever, you know, ever, but like, I NFL, thought I, there have been some pretty socialist ideas, Alex. Have you heard of socialism? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this will be – this is probably as socialist an idea as you can get for college football. But the NFL right now, they have a free farm league that they don't have to pay anything for Yeah. Um, to maintain. And they get players – they get to evaluate the players and draft them into their league. Now – I assume the NFL financially is going to do okay throughout this situation. Probably they're probably going to have some kind of season. And so to me, in my brain, it makes sense to me that the NFL in this unbelievable situation would subsidize college football 
for like a year so that college football can remain the strong entity that it is. And instead of just like screwing over college football and then the NFL potentially having to come up with some kind of like development league. And mm-hmm. I, this isn't going to, the NFL, they, they, they're not going to subsidize college football for a year to help them through this horrible situation. But if you think about it, the fact that they are literally, they have to pay nothing for this farm system to get into their league. It's saving them a lot of money. So it would be in their yep. best interest for college football to remain really strong. And there's to remain a high number of quality programs that players can develop in before they get into the NFL. I don't, I don't think that'll happen, yeah. but in my socialist brain, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's not going to happen. But it <laughs> it does, obviously, like, because, yeah. <laughs> for all the reasons you illuminated, it would make sense for the NFL to, who it has a vested interest in the continuation of the current model of college football, because it does yeah. mean that they don't have to, like, because that is who would ultimately, like, when we talk about paying the players, like, college football players aren't paid um, for a myriad number of reasons. But one of the biggest beneficiaries is the NFL, because that is who would be paying for a development league if college football didn't exist. Yep. There's a reason um, it's flourished for so long. It's because there's a league that makes a ton of money and doesn't have to put any out for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's not going to happen because the NFL is run by conservative billionaires. Um, I just think it's a great idea. (laughs) Just in my highly, highly liberal brain, then I I just think it, it makes sense to me. Um, so I guess finally, if we do, we, is there anything else that we have to say about this horrendous situation? Um, it's horrendous. I, I would but, stress again yeah. the point that we are still technically not, I think, at the point of no return. But We're it is close. coming up very quickly. And the reality like the reality of the situation is that when I say the point of no return, what I mean is the day in which it is no longer possible for tomorrow everyone to start doing the responsible thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't see anything change. Like, I don't see any uh, mass societal changes happening in the sh- right. short term. So, right, save like literal divine revelation, um, yeah. just yeah. gifted upon the people of the United States of America. Just say like, save the Almighty descending from the heavens and yelling, "Wear a mask." Right. There's not a ton that is going to change, which is yeah. really unfortunate. Because it means that we're going to have to go a fall without college football. And I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. What do you do on a fall Saturday if there's no college football? Yeah, I literally no idea. But granted, I didn't know what to do in this spring and early summer without NBA playoffs going on. You know, yeah. and it's just, well, you just get used to it, you know, and it it's awful. It sucks. But, um, and, and like to me... If we could know that there's going to be a spring, I think I could sustain and just be oh, like, absolutely. all right, it's the spring. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome to have a spring football season. Yeah. Um, but I just at that point, I honestly think that 
if we push it to the spring, we're just hoping for a freaking miracle vaccine to be able to make that possible. Because I don't think that we in this country are going to do what needs to be done to get this under control. It just, I have no faith in any, in anyone to do that. So, um, yeah, that's my, that's my last thought is that I just, I don't have faith in America. So, um, it's a great, it's a great place. Love it. Mm. It's really great again. Um, so I guess we could end this, um, talking about, you know, the day, the holiday that celebrates the greatness of this country. Um, and the significance that it played on the OU football program for whenever football is able to be played again. Um, there was some some pretty big recruiting news that happened on the 4th of July. Yeah. Yes, there was. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure you were sitting up there. Um, Nathan, tell us what happened on the 4th of July. Well, uh, preface couple months ago some hot dog emojis were tweeted um and now we know why i mean <laughs> that's kind of where the part of war recruiting is is we are diagnosing uh, dissecting hot dog emojis like the science yeah. behind but um caleb williams committed he's the uh kind of i think consensus i think all three services have us have him as the number one uh qb recruit actually i'm not sure about espn i know the two decent ones are have him as the number one <laughs> QB recruit um, in the 2021 cycle. He's a quarterback out of the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, he played on the same high school team that Joseph Wete played on, um, just two years younger. Um, and also uh, Latrell McCutcheon, a cornerback from Austin. I think he goes to Lyndon B. Johnson High School, um, committed as well. Um, he is a Rivals 100 corner, um, certainly top 247. I don't remember if he's top 100 on 247, but... A highly, a highly ranking guy, um, former Alabama commit, um, and Alabama was still a an option for him. It's not something where Alabama pulled away. Uh, he, this was a legitimate OU, landed him over Alabama, um, and a few other suitors. If you go look at his uh, list, he had just about every DB school that you know that exists that had offered him at one point in time. So, I mean, just a really, really big day. I think Caleb is obviously the um, the prize of the class, frankly, um, and you probably would be for just about any school. Um, but L- L- McCutcheon, I think, is kind of uh, also something that's very important and very um, big just to look. It's kind of maybe a potential sea change in the future um, just because of this is a defensive back that they were able to land out of the Austin area who had a Texas offer. Um, mm. It also was notably not a Texas fan, which was. Uh, yeah, he basically <laughs> he basically told Texas to like shove it, essentially, yeah. like just not interested. Yeah, it was it was uh, very it was very nice. And then he also got in a tweet exchange with uh, one of their defensive backs later, a couple days later, um, which was yeah. also funny. But. I mean, so it was very big for them to land him. I mean, he's somebody that they've been, you know, pressing for and kind of been in the lead for for several months. Uh, The same as Caleb, frankly. I think both of them probably would have committed maybe at the uh, spring game if that had happened, but it didn't. Um, So 
I mean, McCutcheon, he's, you know, 6'1", probably, you know, he'll probably end up being 190, 195, he's long-armed. He's, yeah, I mean, he's basically what they kind of have identified as their cornerback type. Um, he is coming off an ACL injury, but uh, yeah. so his tape is really only sophomore tape. But even though, even with that, he's still a top five, top ten corner in the country, just by by just about everybody. Um, and then Caleb, I mean, you've, we've talked about Caleb a bunch, but he's he's the number one quarterback in the country by the good services. He's um, dynamic. He'll be. I mean, he can run. He can throw. He's and if you pair that with Lincoln Riley, it's, you know, it's, it's a no brainer. So it's a, it was a huge day and it's exciting, especially the thing with Caleb that's super exciting is that um, just kind of the cachet he holds with the other people in his class and the kind of the recruiter he is. Um, he seems to be able to kind of draw people toward him and get them to want to play with him. So I, I think it is setting up a potentially like top five level class for OU this cycle. And so hopefully we actually get to see them play football at some point in time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, that, you know, we've known we were going to get Caleb Williams for a long time. You know, pretty much everybody did. It was the worst kept secret in the nation. Um, Even still having to sit there and watch his freaking commitment (laughs) video. Yeah. That that he forced upon us. Yeah. I was extremely nervous and, um, you know, just because the idea of, you know, I, I knew we were going to get him, but I was just like, dude, if we don't, it's going to be like the worst day in OU football history. Like, oh, yeah. it's just, it's going to be a horrible day. The famous, the famous breakdowns or, uh, like more meltdowns of all time. Like there have been a few, Robert Meacham is kind of the most infamous one from 2005. This yeah. one would have made Robert Meacham look like um, like a like an anthill. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. would have been the biggest of all time. Yeah, I, I, I ju- I'm just imagining Caleb Williams standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial, um, <laughs> and saying like, "Coach Loxley, I'm coming for you." Yeah, yeah, I want to be a Terp. <laughs> yeah. Now it, and it, it really, it really did. You know, it it came through the way we wanted to, and now we're kind of kind of get to see the the result of that like we've heard about how much cachet he has with his fellow class members but now we actually get to see like is is between OU's ability to produce wide receivers and his you know recruiting acumen Dennis Simmons like can we go get a Mecca Ibuka? which yeah. if you haven't watched a Mecca Ibuka at all you need to do that because he's like I think he's the best wide receiver prospect we would we would have signed, and I like that's a high bar to clear, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. I I like him more than anyone else we've ever signed. He's like at a wide receiver, like a bigger CD Lamb in high school. Yeah, so, yeah. he is a freaking <laughs> badass, and you know, if, and also if can that him, would be a kid that OU had no um, had no reason to be confident about at all he is from stellacu washington <laughs> like yeah. the other washington not dc like the state um, yeah. there's no reason that ou should have had an in there outside of hey we've produced good receivers so um, if caleb has, and caleb's basically the bit one that's kind of wrenched that door open obviously ou's produced people but so is yeah. others so have other schools so caleb would be the biggest reason for that if that were to come to fruition yeah and ohio state 
think we just lost Alex. Oh, we did. Um, he was going to say something about Ohio State. Um, while yeah. he rejoins, I, oh, would, I just wanted to clarify for everybody that um, while ESPN does list uh, Caleb as the highest-ranked dual-threat quarterback, they do consider pure passer prospect uh, Sam Hubert to be oh, a State better kid. prospect. Yeah. He, he's yeah. Ohio State, right? I have uh, they have him committed oh, to Sam Washington. Sam Hubert's the one that's going to Washington. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. He's the I actually don't know a thing about Sam Hewitt. <laughs> I don't think I've ever even watched his huddle. I I knew the name just because I've seen him on the five star list, but yeah, I don't I couldn't say a thing about Sam Hewitt. But since he's going to Washington, I will probably feel comfortable in saying that he will just be an average quarterback in college. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Um Yeah, no, I was I was talking about Ohio State being the leader for Mecca Buka. Um, probably yeah. currently, but OU is kind of hot in pursuit. That's one of those guys that OU really does need to get on campus. So mm-hmm. we need things to open up. Um, um, I think I, that's kind of a weird situation because there's some guys where I think it would be better if they didn't get on campus, right. um, like Bryce Foster. I think that might like work out better for OU if they don't open up visits. But um, for a guy like Emeka Buka, like, kid that's never been on campus from washington state like you need you need to have him on campus at least once um, to have a probably real chance to overcome a a team like ohio state who is another elite offensive school probably the other elite offensive school in the country or maybe alabama but um, clemson yeah i mean there's a few but especially with receivers but i think the thing with Ohio State, they've been on him longer. Uh, they yeah. signed another big receiver from that area last year, Gee Scott. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they, they have a few ins. Uh, another a good example of a kid that OU also needs to get on campus that Caleb would have a big impact with is Tristan Lee, an offensive tackle out of Virginia. Yeah. Um, so he's, I think OU is probably in his top two right now, maybe trailing LSU by a little bit, but he's never visited OU before. So they probably won't be able to make that jump or that surge without being able to get him on campus. But if they were able to do so, there's quite, I think there's quite a bit of a confidence that they might be able to really become a factor in that. So, um, I mean, we want be you want to see kids be able to take visits just from the, <laughs> just from the like the human aspect of, they should be able to take visits. But um, there are certain guys that it, being able to take visits would have a much bigger impact because Caleb being in their ear is one thing, but um, if they can't see it with their own eyes or if they can't experience you know something, it's it's harder to see it actually happening. Um, I just had this thought, and this is kind of a little bit random with regards to recruiting, but maybe not. But early early enrollees have become a huge thing the last few years. Um, but if this thing, if the season gets pushed to spring, how does that impact, do you think, or what impact would that have on anybody that wanted to be an early enrollee? I don't see how you could prevent them from playing. If they're enrolled mm-hmm. at the school, then they should be allowed to play. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and maybe I mean, a guy like Caleb Williams is going to be an early enrollee. He probably wouldn't play, but like but it's probably better than Tanner Mordecai. Yeah, they, I mean, that they would have to they would have to raise that, I think, you know, like mm-hmm. I just it's I just it's I just had that thought, you know, if let's say Caleb Williams 
uh, enrolled early and he was here and he was in Norman in January, could yeah. he immediately be the backup quarterback? I mean, he's That'd definitely be better than Tanner Mordecai. So. <laughs> Tanner Morris, just he's yeah. fourth string now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, how huge would it be to get a guy like Isaiah Coe on campus for this? Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be incredible. Um, Especially since he's not going to be playing Juco ball. Right. Yeah. There's not a lot of guys that I feel like would have that that immediate of an impact. I guess Mario Williams probably would too, but there, I don't know there's what a his few, status uh, is. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a few, but I think OU's in a good enough place at most spots that got, we, we aren't desperate for the true freshman savior. Maybe they, maybe we were like just a few years ago, but yeah. there's certainly a few spots where if they got a, a guy that's good enough, he could immediately come in. Um, yeah. I mean, and you know, provide some, if nothing else, provide depth. Uh, yeah. So. No, I you know thinking about OU, I think overall, a a spring season would really benefit OU, like just from yeah. a chance to win standpoint, because I do think that. If there is a spring season, the NFL is probably not going to change their schedule to accommodate college football. No. Um, so the so, I think why would guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields play? You know. Well, I've asked you know why have you know high Clemson draft picks returned to Clemson for a couple of years now, and right. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know the answers to that. But, but Justin Fields, I think, is would definitely be gone. Trevor Lawrence, whatever you know, seduction Dabo performs on his players. I, I couldn't say. Um, yeah. But theoretically speaking, both of those guys could sit out. And then OU yeah. probably has the best quarterback in the country. And on a team that really, I think Creed is probably the only guy that could probably sit out and not have his stock. You know, like he's the guy who doesn't really need to raise yeah. his stock all that much. Everybody mm-hmm. like, else needs that bump. Yeah. Like season. Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, those kind of guys, they need to play. Rambo, uh, uh, Rambo, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think OU would be in a great spot if you know you get to bring in, if you got a guy like Isaiah Coe in, and then you know if you lose Creed Humphrey, like that's a big loss, obviously, mm-hmm. but he's replaceable. We have talent. Slide Tyrese over or yeah. Um, Chris we Murray's have, not available, so that right. would be the best case. But, Ooh, yeah. 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 But we have talent. We have talent yeah, on the right. offensive line to replace him. And, you know, and Creed might even want to play. Like, I mean, I'm not ruling that out by any means. But um, so I think in general, a, a spring season, maybe that's why Lincoln Riley was so gung-ho about <laughs> saying, hey, we, we can work a spring season. It's doable, I th- guys. I think my, like, with the loss of the potential, um, I mean, I kind of want to do a moratorium on – um, at a conference games that we're not going to get to see. I mean, I wanted to see OU thrash Tennessee. That's still on the table, but it's right. looking less likely. But like Ohio State, Oregon, that would have been fun. I, I think Oregon would have got crushed, but it still would have been fun. Yeah. Um, no, there was some good games that just aren't going to get played now. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that the the thing the one system that I've heard that thrown around and it was it was not from a reliable source at all. I'm not going to call them out, but I generally disagree with his takes, but he threw out the idea of a full, just a conference schedule, but then have an eight-team playoff in the spring. Do you think that would be the way to go in that scenario? Uh, I mean, it so makes wait, sense. So wait, do you play the conference games in the spring as well? Yeah, 
so that they, you know, if this is only, you know, if there is a spring season, then you play your eight or nine conference games, play your mm-hmm. championship game, and then you play your eight-team playoff, and then that way you can guarantee that every conference champion is in the playoff, and then have a group of five, and then a couple at large. Like I think that's, I mean, it makes sense. Like I'm not a huge fan of the eight-team playoff in general. Um, yeah. I mean, but it makes think, more sense th- in this scenario. I don't know if yeah. the playoff would do that <laughs> in, like, a right. one-year expansion. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate the idea, especially with this being a weird one-off year anyways. But, yeah, but this would be, like... I, I don't think it'll happen. It's this just is, so tough, yeah. the idea of picking four teams with only yeah. having conference schedules to oh, go yeah. off of. Oh, yeah. Like, there's just not enough data, in my opinion. Clemson doesn't play... Who's the best team? If the, Clemson only played a conference slate this year. Probably what North would Carolina? be the best team they yeah it would be sam howe north carolina so yeah. like a nine and three maybe north carolina yeah yeah i no, mean, I mean it, it would not be i think that so. that makes the most sense that you just let the conference champions play and then like hey if, if notre dame is good then you get to pick them and, notre dame. yeah yeah well yeah <laughs> um and maybe maybe notre dame plays in the acc this year and then they played Clemson. Maybe they actually join the ACC like they should. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, but BYU is just rudderless. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not important at all. <laughs> it's it's I'm okay that this kind of screws over BYU. I can sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying just, to remember who their quarterback is that they everyone kept calling Johnny Menzel this last year. It was pissing oh, me off. Oh yeah, Kyle something. I don't know. I feel like. He's, oh, he's, he's forgettable. Something. I do appreciate that he beat Tennessee on like that last minute play, though. That was the, that was mm-hmm. one thing that I did like. Um, it was not Kyle. It was Zach Wilson. Zach. Yeah, that's I'll forget wrong that white guy, guy name. Five minutes yeah. from now. Other yeah, the other stereotypical white guy name. So uh, <laughs> Dan Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. I think that that might be a good place to close. We kind of tried to end on a positive note. Yeah. yeah. Recruits, they're coming. Recruits. Recruits. And, hey, if there's a spring season, OU might be in a great position. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Um, thanks, also, guys, for listening. Jaden Hazelwood more time to get healthy, too. It so. will this give Jaden Hazelwood more time true. to get healthy. Uh, annoyingly, it won't give um, all of the – here is another thing to talk about, actually, before we go, is – when we talk about a shortened schedule, does this screw OU over because of the suspensions? They would have to change it. Like I was, I, I messaged Nathan about that too. Like, you can't have an eight-game schedule and have guys suspended for five games. Right. That makes no sense. If 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 they don't though, Ramondre, uh, take the red shirt, take the yeah. damn red shirt. <laughs> right. But Alex, they smoked weed. Yeah. Yeah. College kids don't do that. Well, I mean, honestly, you could probably wind up playing Ramondre and still get the red shirt out of him. Like, probably with Trajan, too. Like, yeah. yeah. You know? Because if, if you're playing eight games, they're going to miss five of those. You've got eight plus a conference championship. That's Yeah. I mean, if there's games. any potential way of him just keeping the red shirt so you have him for a 2021 run, I, that's what yeah. I want. Because that, that's yeah. like the one hole in the 2021 team on the offense, at least. Right. So. Right. It'd be great to have him back, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to talk about that because I don't think it's gonna happen. So, nah. <laughs> anyways, um, 
All right. You want to end it, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to this, another episode of the Oklahoma Drill Crisis Era. And um, you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app or the Google Play Store or Podbean or really anywhere. RSS feeds are versatile. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi, at Purd Happily, that's P-U-R-D underscore Happily. Um, and if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, you can, uh, what can you do? What can you do, honestly, in this day and age? Um, but share it with a friend or leave a review. Um, you know, let people know that, uh, that us, the, the bad news folks, are right about this. And wear a mask, please, if you like this podcast, wear a mask. Dear God, wear a mask. <laughs>